Hello everyone and welcome to 17 and Sectioned. I am your host, Philippa, and in this podcast we are going to be diving into all things mental health. I just want to add a little disclaimer here. This this podcast is in no way meant to replace medical advice, so if you feel like you're struggling, please do speak to a medical professional, contact your GP, contact a mental health charity. Just please don't suffer alone. I also just wanted to add a trigger warning. This is a podcast about mental health and some of the topics discussed could be triggering for some listeners. Okay, so with that being said, let's get on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of 17 in Section. Oh, it's really exciting to say that. This is, I feel like this has been a really long time coming and yeah, I've wanted to share without sounding too cheesy, my story for a really long time now. So I have a lot of ideas of topics that I want to cover in this podcast, um, ranging from dealing with the stigma that surrounds mental health to relationships with other people, be that platonic or romantic, um, your relationship with yourself, self-love, medication, spirituality, all sorts. But today I thought we would start with just my backstory really, my origin story. Um, Just me explaining what happened, how I came to be so passionate about mental health, um, my experience with the mental health system, etc, etc. So my first experiences in the mental health system started when I was 17, as you may have guessed from the title of this podcast. Um, Before that I never had any involvement with any kind of mental health services I didn't have well I I did probably but nothing diagnosed I was just getting on with my life as a child and a teenager just going about school and my hobbies and my friends having a great old time um some rocky patches along the way um that we will get into later I'm sure um but yeah everything changed when I was 17 The short story is I had a psychotic episode and I was sectioned and detained in a mental health unit for under 18s. I was there for a month, I was sectioned under section 2 of the Mental Health Act. It was a horrendous time for me um, and especially for my family. They they went through a really hard time as did my friends. Yeah, it it was really scary and what I thought I would do is just start by talking about that episode and what happened and how I came to be in in a psychiatric unit. So this part of the story takes place over a few days. So yes, settle in and let's get started. So I was at sixth form when this all happened. Um, I was a month into my second year and I'd had a number of life stresses for for quite a while um, over like, previous few years. Um, I had lost both my granddads within a couple of months of each other when I was 15. I I was suffering with what I think, looking back, was probably some kind of depression going through sort of the later part of secondary school. I would get really... I would just describe it as numb and I would sort of ironically, jokingly call it my depression weeks. And it would always be like the run up to my period. So I would be just, I was just, I can't, ex- I can't explain how it felt, but I just felt low and like I had no emotion. Just, well really I can, it feels how depression feels, you know, that kind of 
black cloud of numbness. So this was when I was 15, 16 doing this, um, having this horrible feeling. So, I mean, I, I wasn't in a, I was in a good place, but I just had these times where I didn't feel great. And I remember doing my GCSEs um, through this at points. I think I did my English exam when I was feeling really bad and really low. And that was really hard. But yeah, it had been a rough couple of years and I went to sixth form and I wanted to go to this um, school because it was supposedly, it, I think it probably is still considered the best school academically, sort of in the area that I lived. Um, I'd always, the schooling that I'd had previously, my infant school, primary school and secondary school, all in the same area it was all like very near to where I lived it had been the same people we were all really close it was it was quite like a nice dynamic quite a safe dynamic and this school that I went to meant getting the bus to the next town which I know it's only a little thing but it, it, it felt like a big thing at the time and I remember it I would think it was the open day or like the first day I caught one of them and um, my mum drove me and my friend to the school and I just remember feeling like I was going to throw up and like I was just covered in sweat and I was so scared. Looking back, I think I was having a panic attack on the way to this school, but I just had no idea what it was. I just felt horrendous. I would feel sick. I wouldn't want to eat. And I remember standing in, um, like the common room area where we all congregated to listen to like, you know, the welcome speeches and stuff. And I just felt so bad. And yeah, it was probably just a sign of things to come at this place, to be honest. So yeah. There were some saving graces from being here. I met some really lovely people. Well, really, I've, I met a couple. I have like a handful of people from this place that I still talk to and I still think a lot of. Um, and also I was very lucky in the fact that I was in a tutor group with four, hang on, no, yes, four, four of my best friends who are still my best friends to this day, they are just so incredibly special to me and I'm sure they will come into the story later. Um, I haven't asked them if they mind me using their names, so I'm not going to just yet, but I'm sure I'll speak to them before the next episode and ask if they're happy for me to use their names in future episodes. But yeah, they were in my tutor group, so that made things a lot easier. So to set the scene, I was at the sixth form, started my classes, um, no, no, we're, but we're before, this is, this is right at the start, hang on, when I went to sixth form, I was in a relationship for, with somebody that I had been friends with for years and years and years, and I started at sixth, I had, right, so basically, just a side note, the way I say sixth form, my fiance and one of my best friends take the mick out of how I say it, so I'm really conscious of it, but I don't want to say the name of the school. So I'm just, I might just go with school from now on instead of sixth form. Okay, so school. Right. I hope you all like waffling because I seem to be doing that a lot already. But, um, <laughs> so we're starting. We're right at the beginning of term. I'm in this relationship. I go to sixth form. Oh, flip. I go to school. And um, basically I ended up meeting a guy at school. I met him and really really liked him and I knew I really really liked him quite quickly and yeah eventually we got together and bear in mind at this point I am only 16 still so I'm still a wee babby and 
me being 16, thinking that this guy that I met was going to be the person I was going to be with forever. I had super intense feelings for him. Oh, I just wish I should just go back to my 16 year old self and just be like, listen, it's, it's not what you think. He's a nice person. It's all good. But you've got a lot of life experience to have. You're going to meet the person you're meant to be with in a good few years time. But alas, I didn't have that. Um, you know, I, I thought that this was going to be it. And I went all in and I was just like, yep, yeah, he's the best person. I spent a lot of time away from my friendship group. We had all moved, um, the people from my secondary school that had moved up to this school, um, sort of all congregated together and had lunches together and I moved away from them and I would go, there were two common rooms, okay? So it was like the big common room and then the little common room and it was very segregated. I feel like there were certain people that would hang out in one place but wouldn't hang out in the other. And, and yeah, I would spend all my time in the other common room with him and his friends and I got really, I thought I'd become quite close to his group of friends. Yeah, this relationship went on for about six months. So I think it started in the January time, ended around the, the June. We're in 2012 at the moment. So so yeah, the relationship ended. It wasn't my choice, it was his choice. I was heartbroken. Like, I think it was probably my first ever taste of heartbreak I guess um it was it oh I just remember just like sobbing like ugly tears like he broke up with me at school and my best friend and her boyfriend at the time just like ran over to me and just hugged me so tight and um I went back into the common room not long after and there was one of the teachers I think she was like she was my history teacher and she came up to me and she went Philippa, are you okay? And I said, yeah, 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 I'm fine. Like, through my tears. And she was like, I can see by the fact that you're crying that that's not true. She took me into her office, I cried, I had some tea and biscuits. And yeah, then I went up, got on with my day. So yeah, that was the June. And then between the summer that year and the October, which was when I became very unwell and was sectioned, in that time, I just unraveled. Um... And I've said this to people before, I do not blame any of what happened to me on the guy that broke up with me at all. Like I was just in quite a bad place without realizing it. And I think I'd put a lot onto this relationship as a 16 year old, which wasn't healthy. And yeah, I think it was probably one of the many things that tipped me over the edge because you've got to think it was still, that happened in the June and I didn't become I didn't get sectioned until the October, so there were a good few months in between. Um, so in that time, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know how much detail I want to go into. I feel like I might go into more detail the more episodes we do. Um, but in this time, I lost a lot of self-control. Um, and I tried things that um, weren't, particularly good and weren't good for me and I hid a lot of things from my parents and yeah it was a really bad time and I just started I, I think the best way to say is I just started to unravel um we had our like our AS level results back and I got a U in history that was straw a D in another course I managed to get a B in one of my subjects so that was fine but 
yeah, I didn't do well in my AS levels. I was distraught because I'd always found school, apart from maths, I'd always found, found school really easy. And it was just like, oh, okay, here's another, here's another thing to add to this list of things that are upsetting me. So I started at the, in second year of this school and I wasn't in a good place. I didn't want to be there. I remember everyone was doing like homework on their, in their freeze on the first day. And I was like, I don't want to do any homework. I'm just going to sit here and chill. I don't, I, I used to skip lessons at all sorts. Like, not like super, super rebellious. I'm sure there were people that were far more rebellious than I was. But for how I was as a person, I was always like a super hardworking student. I was always really scared of getting in trouble, really conscientious. I am a Virgo through and through. And that really showed in my school life. But this, that just went out of the window when, um, when I was unravelling yeah and we haven't got to the crux of the story so i think this is going to be a pretty long episode we're gonna maybe go for 45 minutes but we'll see okay so i've just referred to my notes and i need to get back on track if we're going to stick to this time frame so yes where are we so let's let's get to the day it all happened so it was it was in the mid-october of 2012 and i was writing my coursework for my english a-levels and I remember just just feeling so nervous about it and just wanting to put my all into it. Obviously, because I hadn't done so well the previous year in other subjects, I was really mindful that I wanted to do well with my coursework and in second year. So I just was getting really stressed about it. And I stayed up all night doing doing the po- doing the podcast. That's now, that's not then. I stayed up all night, literally did not sleep, just stayed up all night annotating it, working on it. Um, and then the next night I stayed up all night again and I, I left a note on my door that said, please don't wake me up, mum. I haven't slept all night and I'm not going to be going to school today. I think mum came in and she was like, what what are you on about? Like, are you okay? What's going on? And so I think I had the day, I had the day off, off of school and I cleaned my bedroom. Like I'm a tidy person. My room is always tidy, but I absolutely like cleaned it within an inch of its life and organized everything I remember putting things so they were like at a certain angle and every every single thing in my room had a place also in the run-up to this sort of the days and weeks I used to look through back through my Instagram to see what I posted because I had Instagram all the way back in 2012 I am an OG Instagrammer we had it from when it started you know um and it was just like some bizarre posts about random things like I can't even I can't even remember what they were about I just looking back now like it was just a bit unhinged I guess I didn't really know what I was doing and I was obviously looking back I was getting to a point of being manic but I didn't realize this at the time um I've always been quite I don't know the word to explain it, but always quite like out there and I say weird things and I, I do sort of weird random things. I'm not, you know, I, I would never describe myself as boring and I never will. I never, I never have been boring. I've never seen myself as a boring person. So, so I guess in a way it was hard to distinguish the difference between me being a little bit hyper to me having a full-blown episode because it happened quite gradually. It it did. It didn't happen sort of like one minute I was absolutely fine and the next minute I was, you know, 
really losing it. It just happened quite gradually. So yeah, so the next night, I don't think I slept again that night and then I did go to school. And I remember I was walking to the bus stop and I was like waving to dog walkers like, morning, you're right. Um, which I wouldn't normally do, you know. Um, we had an assembly at school and I was like writing all over my hand in like different colours, saying really weird things to my friends, um, just having really strange ideas. Okay, and then we get to a bit more into the crazy side of things. So... I, as I said, I've been working on my English coursework. So I think I'd either given my, I think I'd given mine in and my friend wanted to go and give hers in. So I said, I'll come with you. So I remember like walking up and she was really nervous to, to hand it in to the teacher because she was really scared of this teacher. I think a lot of us were. I was like, oh, I'll do it. And I walk in, I go, here you go. And I put it on her desk, like in the middle of a class. We walked out, went back down to the common room and then we were like, let's go for a walk. So that wasn't, you know, unusual. We would sometimes walk to the local shop from where we were in our free periods, but we walked there and I was like picking up leaves and like looking at them in the light. And I I don't know if I hallucinated this, but I remember like picking up some ribbon and like hanging it on random nails stuck into walls. I'm, I mean, I reckon that was a hallucination because that was just, I don't think that would have happened, but hey ho just having all these really weird ideas and I remember being in the common room and looking around and being like oh I'm in heaven I know that and just thinking I was in heaven and thinking oh there are some nice people here I'm happy with this you know um and then we we usually got the bus home but sometimes we would get a lift from our friend who was a couple years older than us he had a car and he'd sometimes give us lifts to and from school So this day, I think one of my friends had planned to get a lift with him and I was just like, yeah, we're coming too, which is again, quite unlike me. I'd always be like, oh, is it all right if, you know, and I just got in his car. Um, My best friend came with me and he ended up dropping us in town and my best friend and I walked from where he dropped us to, to, to the main town. So we walked into town and from where our friend dropped us to where we were meeting our other friend there was a bus stop and we were mid-conversation and I just got on the bus I think we our bus pulled up which was really like un. it was never there when we wanted it so I think my friend said oh look it's the bus is there it's never there when we want it and I just got on it and she was so annoyed as she should be because I just walked off and was like I'm getting on this bus so I got on the bus and I was listening to music on my headphones and I think I was singing out loud. I, I know I was singing out loud. And as the bus pulled, I was sort of like five minutes from home, my phone died of battery. I remember seeing, I don't think iPhones do it anymore, but I don't know if you remember, you used to have like a spinny wheel when the battery was about to go. The spinny wheel was going and the phone just died. And when the phone died, I felt like, I don't know how to explain this without if at that point it felt like part of me had like shut down and that was it something just clicked and I was like right this isn't good and the bus pulled up on my road and I got off a stop early because I was really excited suddenly and I ran up the road I barged into that house and I went oh my god Taylor Swift here oh my god and I believe that Taylor Swift was in my house ran up the stairs bear in mind I had told my mum that I wasn't going to be in for dinner so she was like what's going on and I was like screaming she was like what so my sister comes down the stairs and at this point I just like grabbed her by the shoulders and she was wearing 
I think, in my head, I don't know if she was, maybe she can remember, I don't know, I thought she, I saw her as wearing a checkered shirt. And at the time, I had a very big obsession with Harry Styles. We're, we're 10 years on, the obsession still stands, but not to the same extent. Anyway, I had a phone case that had Harry Styles on when he was in One Direction and he was wearing a checkered shirt. So my sister comes down the stairs, I grab her by the shoulders and I just look at her in her eyes and go, you're Harry Styles. And I believe that she was him. Um, and then I was just, I don't really remember the next bit. This is all like a bit of a, a hazy dream and like bits that I remember. But I was just like uncontrollable, like screaming and all sorts. And then I think, so I don't know how it came to you, but I started like hitting my mum. Um, so at this point they were like, we need to phone 999 because this isn't right. So they phoned 999 and they said, has she been aggressive? And they had, you know, they had to say yes, because I had been. So I think the ambulance came and the police came and the idea that what everyone thought was that I'd taken drugs. So they searched my room and bear in mind that like day before I had meticulously cleaned my room. So I had in fact like a little cathcaterton pouch um, that I had, I remember it almost like the size of a glasses case, um, but it was like a fabric zip one. And I had rolled up sanitary towels in clean pants and nappy bags so that I had a little period pouch. You know, I think that's pretty sensible. He found the period pouch and apparently the police were like, yeah, we've, we've got something here. Opened it up. My sanitary towel came out. So jokes on them. Um, so yeah, this was really, really bad. I'm trying to make it sound lighthearted. It absolutely wasn't. I'm sure my family were terrified. I know they were terrified. Um, and my dad put me in like a, uh, I think he said it was like a wrestling hold position. So he was like sat on the sofa and had me between, like he was always, it looked like he was sat on my shoulders, that kind of thing. So I was sat on the floor and he had like his knees over my shoulders to restrain me because I was just uncontrollable at this point. So from that point, then I got put in the ambulance and taken to our local hospital. And my sister went to her boyfriend at the time and my mum followed in the car. My dad was the only person that I felt safe around. I remember that and I did, I so he was able to come in the taxi, the taxi, he came in the ambulance with me and I was hallucinating in the ambulance and I was saying things like I need to go back and I, and I need to not break up with such and such who was my boyfriend before the guy I met at school um I said I need to go back I, was, I don't know if I said this out loud but I remember thinking like if I need I need to go back in time not break up with him and then I won't have all the upset that happened when I had that relationship that broke my heart you know um and I was thinking other things as well that's the really dominant thought process I I remember so anyway, I got taken to the hospital and the the next thing I remember is I was lying in a room and I just sort of opened my eyes and looked at my parents and said, you're, you're real. And I, I, I don't know if this happened or not. Again, it's all so blurred between hazy memories, some, some things were hallucinations, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I was... I was just, yeah, I just couldn't believe my parents were there and that they were real and this was actually happening. So they were like, yeah, we're here, it's real. Um, and then, I don't know what happened. I think I must have got admitted onto the children's ward. And from then on, again, it gets really hazy. But basically, they 
had taken a urine sample and I don't know what happened with the urine sample whether it got lost or something but the the results never really came back very conclusive there were never any like conclusive results from my urine tests to say whether or not I had been drugged so um spoiler alert I hadn't been drugged I was having a psychotic episode um so I sort of was starting to calm down a bit like go back into a little bit of I'd say a bit more of a nowhere near my normal self but it was coming I was like coming down from it so they said you know it seems like she's coming it seems like she's coming down if this were a psychotic episode it would be happening again you know I think she's been drugged without realizing and yeah she had a, a reaction to that but she'll come she'll come down from it so I was discharged went home I don't really again remember the what happened like step by step but I think I was on the phone with a friend and started making comments about being drugged and just being really random and yeah so next thing that happens is that night I go to yeah so next thing it comes to that night I go to bed I don't think I slept I remember I'd stayed awake and my sister was working I think somewhere in the evening and I heard her come in and I said come up come up to my room so she came up and she got into bed and we like, you know, had a little cuddle as, as you do with your big sister sometimes. And and then she went up to bed and I just stayed awake and I started scrolling on Twitter. And something inside of me was like, I think I sent some random texts to people about like saying these celebrities are following me on Twitter, like I'm going to be famous. And then I thought that I was about to like be with Taylor Swift. She comes up a lot in my delusions um and I ran into my parents room and I was like I'm about to go on stage I'm about to go on stage like it's happening and I just can't imagine like the fear that they must have had hearing that and realizing that okay she wasn't drugged like this is this isn't good I mean it wouldn't have been good had I been drugged but I think it's scarier when it's not drug induced um and it's just what your brain does and it's really scary so yeah they take me to the hospital again I think they must have phoned an ambulance again. Ambulance came, took me to the hospital. And this is where it got to the point of, okay, this is a mental health crisis. So I was put on an emergency section so that I was detained to that hospital. And then from there, I was taken to the psychiatric unit. But prior to being admitted to the psychiatric unit, I was in the main hospital for a bit longer. And that's when I had some really horrible hallucinations. So... apparently I was like running around with a sick bowl like ripping it up leaving a trail telling people I was about to go and get on the Hogwarts Express um I thought that I saw my grandma who had passed away when I was five and I was like looking into different people's hospital rooms and seeing other people so I saw my grandma in hospital bed and I heard my friends all talking and I was saying like they're in that room they're there and then I think at some point I phoned I got my mum to phone my best friend and I was saying to her, I was like, I know you're behind the curtain. Like, I believe that she was behind a curtain in my room. I could see, like, I think they were wheels from the one of the other beds, but I thought they were her shoes. And I was going, you just come out from behind the curtain, like, come and see me now. And I remember her saying, like, no, it's, I'm not, I'm not there, Pip, but if you want me to come and see you, you know, I can come up to the hospital, that's fine. But it was just me hallucinating that she was there. So, yeah, it wasn't good. Another point, is that I remember everyone's faces looking really shiny. 
and just almost like they were made of um like plastic almost uh, really really strange it was a really and like glowing like everyone had like mad highlighter on that kind of thing um so yeah i was taken in an ambulance to the unit and that was when i again had some really horrible hallucinations i thought that the paramedic or whoever it was that was in the ambulance with me kept pulling off a mask like a full you know like a prosthetic mask that covers your whole head i kept in my head he was like peeling it off and like revealing different faces and there were like puppets coming out from the sides in the ambulance and it was terrifying and um i don't remember but apparently it took them ages to get me to come out of the ambulance i was just in such a state so yeah they eventually got me to come out and yeah that's when my journey at the hospital started so yeah after the break we'll get more into it if you're enjoying the podcast so far please feel free to follow us on instagram at one seven and sectioned I would love to hear your requests, so if you have anything you'd like me to talk about on the show, please feel free to drop me a message and say hi. Okay, so I'm at the hospital. They put me under section, and that's where I begin four weeks in the unit. I'm going to skim over the the main points and then maybe revisit it in another episode. So... Um, in the hospital, as I said, I was put on section two, which is admission for assessment. So the I'm assessed, basically. I have lots of meetings. I'm, I'm on really close observations. Um, I was really poorly like. So I currently work in a psychiatric unit, full circle. And um, people that are put on the kind of obs that I was put on are like the really poorly patients. I was secluded from the rest of the unit. I was in like a a locked area with a couple of members of staff. I was still not wanting to sleep. I was very manic. I was running around the place. I had lots of delusions while I was there. I believed I um, knew everyone that worked there, but I believe they were all different people. So that kind of bringing them back to people in my life came through again. So I thought that they were like family friends or relatives of people that I knew and yeah it was it was a scary time I I had a lot of visitors I saw my friends and family a lot it was at the time it was my best friend's 18th and I was very fixated on this but I knew it was her 18th and I kept telling everyone so there were some parts that were really crystal clear and other parts that were just so strange um so I I kept saying that she's my twin she's my twin and telling everyone that we were sisters my best friend this is and and then my mum was like no but who's your mum and I was like well you obviously and "And who's your you know who's your best friend's mum and I would say my best friend's mum's name and she so there you are and I'd say no no we're twins and I believed I I ran the hospital I believed I owned it um like lots of delusions of grandeur to a massive so obviously whilst at the unit I was medicated and there are a variety of medications that somebody with my presentation could be put on but I was put on one particular medication called olanzapine and this medication for me had quite strong side effects Um, massively increased appetite was one of them so I just wanted to eat for England and one of the things that happened as a result of being sectioned and being in hospital was that I actually put on about three or four stone so 
yeah, it wasn't great and that really affected me long term and it's it's still something that I struggle with. I never struggled with my weight um, as a child or as a teenager, but on the back of being poorly, it was it was definitely something that I I had issues with. You know, being 17 is hard enough, but being 17 when your body changes suddenly and your life has suddenly changed, it's it's just a really hard thing to get used to, I guess. But yeah, back to the medication, I was on lanzapine, but I was also put on a drug called clonazepam, which is a type of benzodiazepine, so it completely calms you down, and it also can sort of make, for me, it made my words quite slurry, and that was something that I remember being so conscious of after I came out of the hospital, was that I was slurring my words so much, so I had this huge appetite, I was slurring my words, my life had done a complete flip around. You know, prior to being admitted to hospital, I'd been in my second year of sixth form looking into possible uni courses, thinking about my life and what I wanted to do with it. And now I was faced with the fact that my life wasn't going to be as I expected. It was going to be completely different. And and I had to manage that. And I was so lucky that I had such a supportive network around me. I had amazing family and friends the care and support I'd got as part of the early intervention in psychosis service was incredible and my mental health nurse she was such an important part of me getting better and I will never be able to thank her enough for what she did for me and my family she was incredible and yeah I love her to bits and I just wish more people had nurses like her but So as I said, a month went by, whereas in the unit, things were extremely chaotic, to put it lightly. And after the four weeks, they had a big meeting with my family and my, um, the medical professionals that had been caring for me. They came to the conclusion that I had a diagnosis of bipolar affective disorder type 1. Now, as as I've worked in mental health now for a couple of years and I've spoken to a lot of professionals about it I I don't know that this is my diagnosis it could be I don't know I just feel like psychiatrists can be quite quick to make a diagnosis um and that can be helpful for some people and that can be hindering for some people so yeah it's something I'm still open-minded of I kind of think I had an anxiety-induced psychosis, which had built up over a long, long time. Um, but the reason they gave me a diagnosis of bipolar was because I um, got quite depressed after I came out. So they sort of said to me at, at, in one of my final meetings, like, your diagnosis does look that of bi- a bipolar diagnosis, but you'd have to have a second episode of depression, so uh, an episode of depression, sorry, to show that, that sort of high and low So I remain open-minded about my diagnosis. And to be honest, what's my diagnosis anyway? Maybe it's something to discuss. Um, I am me and I presented in the way I presented. And I continue to live with my mental health as it is. And I I live my life in a way that is helpful for me. I, you know, I... I look after my sleep, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, I try and lead a, lead a balanced lifestyle. And maybe if I didn't do those things, maybe I would be relapsing, I don't know. So 
I'm super open-minded about what my diagnosis is. For me, I don't find it that important. And even now when I'm at work, although I know the diagnosis that my patients have, it is not the most important part of what I'm doing. For me, I look at how the person is acting and what is going on for them right now in their environments, their social environments, their physical environments. It's not just, this is their diagnosis and this is what's important. So that's how I feel about diagnoses. Yeah. I've had a brain fart on what the plural for that word is. But on the subject of the the client group that I work with, when I started the job, people were saying, oh, you can share your story with them and you can completely see where they're coming from and how they're feeling. And yes, my experiences do help me in my work and do allow me to empathise with certain aspects of what my patients are going through. I feel like I can't compare our situations. Many, many of my patients that I work with don't have the setup that I had. They don't have an amazing support network. They don't have the chance to live at home with their family while they get back on their feet. They don't have the chance to go and work and volunteer before they feel that they can go to school again you know I was incredibly fortunate and incredibly blessed that I'm 10 years on and I I am now where I am you know I see patients that come in to back into where I work time after time and it's just heartbreaking seeing these people I was having a conversation with a colleague the other day where we were saying each time you see not not with all patients but you see people come back in time after time and their personality is getting chipped away at and each time they come back in they're a little bit less of themselves and touch wood I am super fortunate that I only had that happen to me once in the past 10 years and after that admission I could see who I was it wasn't the person I was before and I was explaining this to my colleague saying I was at an age where I could rebuild who I was and become a new version of myself. So I, I don't feel like I've had that, like, that's been chipped away at me. I feel like I, I took what happened and I rolled with it. And it was definitely a process. Things didn't go smoothly always. Things were bumpy along the way. But I feel like I rebuilt who I was. So I don't have that. I don't feel like I lost anything. I feel like initially I definitely did. Um, And I remember speaking to my mum at one point I think it was quite a while after and she's described it as I'd lost my sparkle and I had I had lost like my zest I was I was just on I felt like I was on eggshells and I felt like everyone around me was on eggshells because they were so scared of what I was gonna do and that I was gonna suddenly blow up in a way I can understand looking back that that's how they felt but it's not an easy thing to deal with and yeah so I just sort of slowly rebuilt my life I went I did initially go back to school which was a big mistake it quite quickly I knew it wasn't right and I made the decision to leave and then I sort of knew I need to do something I can't I can't you know just leave school and all my friends are obviously going off to uni and get their lives were just you know carrying on as they should have been but I had no A-levels and I needed something to fill my time and I didn't feel at that point that I could get a job so I was really fortunate because obviously I was living at home I 
I started volunteering at a local stables and worked with the horses and brushed them and cleaned up their poo and you know helped if they had like lessons with loads of kids so I would sort of be you know in the background helping out which was really cool and another really great part of working there is that there was a girl that actually worked there and she was my age and we just formed this really lovely friendship and we had so much fun and then when I turned 18 and I was able to go out and stuff we did and I felt like I had that part of like a normal 18 year old life back a little bit it took a while because I would be so scared sort of in public I would like hold my mum's hand and as I was really nervous so it took a while to be able to be like okay I can do this but slowly like things started to build back I then made the decision that I was going to go to college and get a BTEC because I wanted to go to uni and I knew that A-levels weren't for me it was too much stress I couldn't deal with it so I went to our local college and I did a BTEC in health and social care and I loved it and I got like the top grade and I made some friends and just yeah I sort of felt like I had a a life again and and things were starting to feel a bit more normal I still I still had times when my, my mental health wasn't great I remember there was a dip while I was at college and I just wouldn't come out of my room I was really low and I was saying like I can't look in the mirror I can't do this and it was just I can't remember how long that lasted actually but yeah I had a couple of dips but all in all I stayed sort of stable got through college made the decision to go to uni and I was going to do nursing long story short I decided against a career in nursing so it was back to the drawing board really and um I can be quite impulsive at times for those who know me when I make a decision I'm like right I'm doing that now so I made the decision that I want to do psychology so I didn't go to an open day for psychology I didn't really look too much into it I redid my personal statement sent it off to the uni and got accepted and started and let me tell you starting uni was so scary leaving home leaving my like safe bubble living in halls with nine other people having to like fit into the uni lifestyle it was a lot and bear in mind this is only three years after I'd had everything happen to me so which in the grand scheme of things it's not a long time and it took a lot of getting used to and I actually only lasted a few months on my course and had like a little mini wobble I remember it all sort of came to a head when I was out shopping and I just had the most horrendous panic attack when I was in a supermarket and the girls that I lived with they ended up cooking for me and looking after me that night and then I contacted my mum and she ended up coming down and yeah that's sort of when I realised that this wasn't working and I had to make a decision to stop what I was doing and go back to the drawing board again. But an added complication I had was that when you're at uni you have to plan your next year's house really early in advance so I'd already got a house for second year sorted but this point I wasn't going back for the year after so it was putting a bit of pressure on me and I was in a bit of a pickle but I knew I wanted to go back to uni and carry on education and carry on my life in the city that I'd moved to. I looked around at different courses and I knew I wanted something in healthcare but I just didn't know what and after a lot of looking around my mum said to me have you ever heard of 
occupational therapy? And I said, no, I have not. And she explained it to me and I researched it and I thought, oh, I like the sound of this. Um, and occupational therapy is something I will go into more on a separate episode because I could talk for England about it. So I shadowed at our local hospital and OT there and she was lovely and gave me like a buzz for it and I was so excited. And then I applied for the course at the same uni I was at and I had an open day and then I got it and I started my course and I loved it. And yeah, got through the three years with um, a few little bumps along the way, but I came out with a 2-1 and um, a boyfriend who is now my fiance, who will be my husband in a few months. And I made some incredible friends who I would never have met if I didn't, you know, take that plunge and carry on and go back to uni. And it was just the most incredible thing. And I feel like it taught me so much about who I am and my resilience levels. Yeah, and I feel like I've grown massively and I feel like being at uni really helped me grow. I think everyone does, don't they, when you go to uni. But I look at who I was when I started that psychology course versus who I was when I graduated from occupational therapy. And I had changed so much. And actually it's been three years now since I graduated and who I am now versus who I was when I left uni is completely different. And it just really highlights how much we are always growing and almost changing. And I love that. And yeah, all through that time, I've been on and off various medications. I went from olanzapine to aripiprazole to Prozac with aripiprazole. Um, then I went on lithium for a long time. And lithium was the medication that sort of held me the best. And then in 2019, I made the decision to come off of lithium completely. So with the support of my psychiatrist, I did so. And I was off meds for a few months, but then COVID happened and my anxiety skyrocketed. And last summer, it was exactly a year ago, I had a horrendous anxiety. I don't want to say the word breakdown. I always feel like it's quite a big word, but it it was, I suppose. Had to go and live back with my parents because when Lawrence was at work and I was at home on my own, I was beside myself. Like I couldn't be alone. And at home, my parents were around and they could be there. And just while I sort of got back on my feet, I started on sertraline. So I got established on sertraline and came back home, went back to work. And yeah, I've just been working on myself ever since, really. I have recently got really into more holistic things so looking into things that I just find really interesting and that excite me like astrology and the lunar cycles all things like that I just love and I think a lot of the time there seems to be this divide between you either love the holistic way of doing things or the medication side of things and for me it's both both work sertraline is an antidepressant and it helps stabilize me and I remain on it and I probably will for quite a while But I also know the importance of balance and having passions and hobbies. And I think that's a really important part of what's kept me well and what I'll continue to do for the rest of my life. So, yeah, here we are. So I'm now, I guess the only thing I haven't touched on is like how I've got to where I am now in my career. So long story short, when I left uni, I knew I wanted to work in mental health. I had had my final placement in a long term rehab centre and I loved it 
and I just knew it was what I wanted to do. So I applied for a job in mental health and I left. Unfortunately, I didn't get it. So I started working in the main hospital and I was there when COVID hit. So that was lots of fun. Um, and I worked there for a year and then the job that I had originally applied for came back out. So I applied for that and I got it this time. And, oh, do you know what? I'm leaving there soon. I've just got a new job offer, but it has been really cool and I met one of my absolute best friends there and I feel like it was you know when things just feel so meant to be and it was it was just so meant to be that I I worked there eventually and worked with her yeah but I'm moving on I'm going to be no longer technically I'll still be an occupational therapist because I'll always be an OT but I'm gonna have a new role I'll be a mental health practitioner a senior mental health practitioner which is super exciting and I'll be working more in the community working from home so it's a new role, something that I'm really passionate about, to help people who aren't so poorly that they're admitted, but they're poorly enough that they need some support and they're not getting it. So that's what I'm going to be doing, which I'm really looking forward to. So I feel like that's a good place to end things for today, for our first episode. Thank you so much for listening, if you've got this far. There are so many topics I want to talk about. So I would really appreciate it if you've listened today and you've heard anything that spikes your interest. Like I said in the break, please pop me a message on Instagram and I'll get to it. I want to talk about the nitty gritty stuff. So please ask me anything and I'll see what I can do. I actually have a special guest lined up already and I'm so excited for her to join me. We're going to be talking all about self-love. So that will be in a few weeks time. But for now, all that's left for me to say is one big thank you again for listening and I will be in your ears again very soon. Bye. It will have the reason, it will explain why that my hormones are in a certain place and I'm feeling like this. So that's really helped. So yeah, I'm an advocate for a balance, for medication, for a healthy lifestyle, for moving your body in a way that feels good for you. Don't force yourself to go and do things that don't feel right. Although I say that, at the moment I'm training for a half marathon and um, I don't like running, so it's not that much fun but I'm doing it for a good cause and I'm doing it with my best friend so we're gonna have a great time and yeah that's pretty much it I'd say um thank you for listening it's been a long one I didn't expect it to be this long but I've just got a lot to say and I've got loads more to say so stick with this because I think it's gonna be lots of fun and I've already got, I'm so excited, I've already got a special guest lined up for my episode that I want to do, I'm going to be doing, on self-love. And I've got a very special guest. So yeah, watch this space. And thank you so much for listening, and I will speak to you all soon. Bye.